This is Wildcat Country. It's only right. The ball's in his hands. A milestone victory for Arizona. Simon Says Championship. All the inside scoop on U of A Athletics. Welcome to another edition of Wildcat Country. Eric Conan, Shane Dale, and for once, everyone, it's not a happy week here on the program. We've had a, a really good run of really good things happening, especially with the, the men's and women's basketball teams over the last. I don't know what, three or four months? Since the end of the football season, I feel like it's been like, there's been good things to talk about every single week. And this is the first week in a while. They're just, you have, you, you struggle a little bit. There've been a couple things, but it's been a struggle to say the least this week. Yeah, yeah Shane, it's it's hard to find. Uh, I mean, you know, listen, men's basketball ruled the roost right now. When the women were out as of last, what, Monday night. And we were, or was it Monday or Tuesday? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, Monday night. We recorded right after yeah, that. That's yep. right. Yeah. And then, and then the men's team on Thursday, we were all excited. You know, we thought going, at least I thought going into this show, I was pretty, pretty sold on the fact that this would be a final four preview show. Um, I, when I record, when we recorded that last Monday night, I know you were pretty confident in Villanova, which was a, a very good pick. I just, I was confident Arizona was going to make this happen and I was wrong. I wasn't so, I mean, it's not so much Villanova. It's that I think it's a combination of the lack of experience on the Arizona team combined with one and then would have been two teams that I feel like are their kryptonite and that can slow the tempo and do it effectively and take them out of their game. Plus a combination of seniors, super seniors, guys who've been to the final four, won a national championship in Villanova's case. They didn't get that far. But I think it, it was it was a rough combination. You know, if you want to go full conspiracy theory, you know, in, that maybe the NCAA, the selection committee is a bunch of Arizona haters, which I don't think they are. But you could you could go out and say, well, let's make Houston a five seed. Oh, and let's put them in San Antonio. So, you know, but Arizona benefited from that 11 years ago when they faced top seeded Duke out in uh in, in in Anaheim as a as a five that's seed. right so, no, that's right so yeah. I I but it what look it was a tough matchup you know and that the main reason I picked Kansas to go to the final four isn't because I believe in Kansas is because they had an easy road and it got oh, easier as we as it went on I mean Miami for goodness sake in the elite eight that's it, it's it's kick with that said Arizona did not play as well no. as it as it did all season in the tournament and one of the reasons I think was because they got the jitters I didn't think this was going to happen to this team even though they were a young inexperienced team. I didn't think it was going to happen just because of the bravado that they have, but I think the lights got to them a little bit. You, you combine that with the fact that they, they came up against a team that, that has that experience. Uh, it's slow down the tempo and just kind of, you know, rattle them like maybe no other team this season has. It was just a bad combination. And I think if they had squeezed past Houston, they would have faced the same thing with Villanova. So here's what's coming up on this episode of Wildcat Country, powered by Backcourt Marketing. The first segment, obviously, is buy or sell. We'll, we'll go over that, and it's powered by our friends at Ice Shaker. Uh, we are interviewing uh, this week our fun, our buddy, Jeff Dean, who is the uh, voice of McHale Center in Arizona Stadium. We need some positivity. We need some positivity. So Jeff is going to join us and hopefully uh, bring us some level of, you know, good things. And then in the final segment, we're going to talk about baseball, which uh, lost the series this weekend to UCLA. What is wrong with Arizona softball and final four predictions for men's basketball, which I know we'll probably gloss over quickly. Plus, Shane, we have a really exciting um, new offer to uh, to tell our friends uh, who listen to the podcast about. So we'll get to that uh, later in the show. But first, it is Buy or Sell presented by Ice Shaker. Check out uh, IceShaker.com. Use uh, code Wildcat Country, capital W, capital C, and get a, uh, what, a what is it, $5 off. So these things are awesome. I once again, I think I'm on two hours with my ice marinating here in this. And Eric, awesome. I I filled this up with iced tea and ice about iced six tea. hours ago. Really, iced tea? Yeah, it works. Okay, okay. don't judge okay. me. Okay, and and I I go to fill it up again, you know, and put some more yeah. ice in it. I open it up, all the ice is still in there. Seriously, six right. hours. I wasn't six planning hours. on making this pitch. I wasn't planning on testing it or anything. I had forgotten about it. Six hours. So these things are legit, seriously. And they, they look are. great too. The, the gradient on, on this thing, if you're watching on the video, you know, take notes, uh, uniform designers for Arizona. The gradient's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know about that. I love the gradient on this. I don't know about the uniforms. So that, that's another story. All right. Well, I'm sure we'll debate that in, in another buy or sell. But all right, number one, Shane, buy or sell. Arizona looked scared against Houston. 
Uh, scared. Oh, I'll, I'll sell that particular word. Uh, they, they rattled, I guess. If you, if you consider that scared, maybe. Um, you know, like Tommy Lloyd said after the game, it, the disadvantage was not playing a team like Houston earlier in the season. And I think that's yeah. one of the big reasons why a lot of teams, not just Arizona, but Gonzaga and a bunch of others that we thought were going to get to the final four, or at least later in the tournament, didn't make it because you know these teams, everyone plays the same teams over and over for several months. And then you have to go play someone completely different. And by the time you face a team and they smack you in the mouth, you're down, you know, 10 with, with eight minutes left. And you're wondering how the heck did I get here? So, yeah, I think so. I, I think that, you know, Arizona had one senior on a, on its roster that got, uh, that got good, good minutes and Justin Kyer, and he'd never been in the tournament. Uh, you know, o- Omar Ballo, he was in there last year with the Gonzaga didn't get any play. Didn't play so right. Yeah. I wasn't, Maybe I tried to convince myself it wasn't going to be as big a thing. And I'm actually genuinely surprised that they got as rattled as they did. But I'm going to use the word rattled. I'm not going to say scared because I think this too, I don't think they were scared of Houston. I just think they were taken out of their game to the point where they couldn't recover. Okay. Rattled is a better word. I, I still am going to buy this because I thought they looked timid against TCU and flat out scared against uh, Houston. I, I just, I, I, you know what, Shane? Like, Kyer. Uh, Balo, Tubelis, who we'll touch on in a little bit, uh, Kirk Kreese a little bit, though he wasn't healthy. I mean, he, some of these guys just looked fearful to be there, it looked like. Dale and Terry did not. Matherin did not. Uh, Coloco was a little more timid than he was last Sunday. It was just, it was like, what happened to this cocky team that we had all year? And as soon as they played Houston in the first few minutes and got down, it was, I mean, they never led Shane. That's never. That, unbelievable to think yeah. about this yeah it's great wire to wire Houston beat him kind of the way it, it was kind of similar feel to me that the way that the Arizona women's team beat UConn a year ago close yeah. game throughout but UConn never really was in it late you know one thing in hindsight Eric and maybe this wasn't a big deal but you know after the TCU game you see the the UVA players waving to the TCU fans and Kirk Carissa doing the mock uh, horn frog thing that bugged me at the time not because of, you know, like a lack of sportsmanship or whatever. I don't care about that. You know, like AJ Bramlett told us last week as part of the game. I don't care about, I didn't like it because I felt like that team should be counting their lucky stars at that point and just say, you know what? We got smacked in the mouth. We need to learn from this and play better. And I felt like they, I feel like this team thought they were bulletproof. I think, and I think that has to do with them being a bunch of 18, 19, 20 year old kids who really thought they were going to cruise to the final four and win the whole thing. And I, again, I don't know how much I had to do with the loss to Houston. I think the matchup was just awful, but that is one thing that, that bothered me, not from a sportsmanship standpoint, but from a, like, maybe we need to learn our lesson sort of standpoint. Oh, they learned their lesson. All right. And I know yeah. we'll talk to Jeff about this as well. What Casey Jacobson told us about veteran teams in the tournament and how they, they do better. I mean, look at the final four here, uh, Houston and Kansas generally, um, or excuse me, Villanova and Kansas generally, uh, veteran laden teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you can say that as much about North Carolina. I don't really know their roster breakdown as much. And, and Duke um, is kind of a combination, mostly younger players, but I think playing with a sentimental value with Coach K there. So uh, definitely um, that hurt Arizona, but I thought they, they played scared. So I'm going to buy it. I know you sell that. Okay. Number two, Houston's win over Arizona was a byproduct of three things, slowing the tempo down, being underseated, and a great regional location by yourself. I'll buy two of the three. I don't know of being under seated. You talk about like in terms of them having a chip on their shoulder sort of thing. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I don't know if it really made a difference to them. I feel, I feel like they figured they probably were going to be there, uh, but maybe I, I think more so the other two, I think the location definitely didn't help, even though, you know, I thought about, you know, an earlier buy or sell weeks ago, Eric, you asked, is Arizona better on the road? And I thought you had a point in terms of, you know, the, I think they liked that adversity. You know, we saw, I still remember what they did at USC. I mean, after they lost to Colorado, they, they were pissed and they took it out on the Trojans and beat it by 20 points. That was their best game of the season. So, yeah, I, I think the biggest thing, though, was the tempo. You know, it's one thing to play at that pace. It's another thing to be able to dictate it. And Houston did. You know, Cal, I mentioned last week, was the only other team that played that slow and methodical and, and frankly, boring. But Cal's not very good. Houston is. And I think they took Arizona out of their game. They have guys who, like, you know, several, a bunch of guys on that team that went to the final four a year ago. They had some other uh, transfers who had been on other tournament teams. So they had that experience. Hopefully, Arizona will add a player or two uh, next season uh, that will bring that. So I'll, I'll buy certainly two of the three. And I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll 
slide the other one into that column as well. So I'll end up buying it collectively. Yes. Do you think Arizona would have been better served knowing, assuming you, you had exactly the same matchups, would you think, do you think Arizona would have been better served in the West in where Duke was as compared to where they were as a number one seed in the South? It might've helped. It could have pushed them over. I mean, we've seen a lot of times, Eric, over the years, you know, even back to the Lou Olson era when Arizona wouldn't play well at home, and the fans got them past the finish line. And I think we've seen that in the Pac-12 tournament as well, where it's essentially like they say, McHale, McHale yeah. North, McHale Northwest, whatever it is, McHale Las Vegas branch. Right. Uh, so, and, and I think back to 2011, like I already mentioned, I remember when Arizona played uh, UConn, I, I wasn't there, but just watching the game, it sounded like McHale at the end of that game. So, and Arizona got the benefit of that. So maybe that was a situation where the, the you know, if you have fans, you know, it's like two thirds Arizona fans in there. Maybe the fans could have dragged them past the finish line. Maybe when they got within two points, they would have actually taken the lead and it would have been a completely different game. But it was it was a weird game because it, it to me, it never really felt like, except maybe early in the second half, like the yep. Wildcats were really in the game. I agree. Even though it was a close yep. game. Yeah, I mean, it, this was, I think U of A got it to two and then got the ball and, and had some kind of a bad embellishment and like blow a layup or something like something that. Like, that something happened? like that when they were down, I think it was 37, 35 or something like yeah. that. And then Houston came down and hit a three and the game really wasn't that close again. Um, so yeah, that was, that was tough. I do think they had a chip on their shoulder from being under, uh, uh, under seated. I think obviously the location was a bigger factor than I thought. Uh, originally I thought they're, you know, U of A traveled well, but still there were a lot more Houston fans than probably I expected being naive, let's say. Um, and, and obviously slowing down that tempo. Now, to my second part about that question I asked you, I think Texas Tech would have, given a, uh, would have been troublesome for Arizona, another team that really can slow it down. The Wildcats really need to figure out this offseason how to play against those kind of teams uh, if they're going to go far in the tournament because you're always going to run into somebody in college basketball that's going to try to slow it to a crawl. There are too many teams like that these days, in my opinion. Okay, number three, buy yourself. Real simple, Azulis Tabellis. Buy yourself. Well, that's the most open-ended buy-or-sell question you've had. Um, so I can take this in whatever direction I want, huh? Yep. I'll, I will buy Azulis Tubelis for next season. I, okay. hope, I, I certainly hope he'll be back, and, yep. and I think he'll do great. I think he'll learn from this. I think he'll have a whole offseason to stew over this and, 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 and get better from it. Uh, I think we have learned that he maybe isn't the primary guy. You know, if, if Tubelis comes back as a leading scorer – um, you know, if he expects to be, if he, if Arizona expects him to be their leading scorer next season, I think they could be in a bit of trouble. I think he's a great secondary option, but I think we've yeah. learned that he maybe he's not a guy who's going to take over a game, you know, or he's you know he's only a second year and maybe he'll learn from it. So, but he I, looked something looked off though. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and there was, and unlike Kirk Creaser, there was no excuse for it. Yeah, no. I was, I was, I was more surprised by him than anyone. So. Yeah. No, I, I I'll buy him. I, I hope he certainly. I certainly hope he'll come back. I hopefully he'll. You know, I'm sure he'll work harder and get better, and he'll learn from this. And hopefully he won't wilt under the pressure next time. But yeah, it was a concern. But I mean, he's he'll likely be back next season, and we're going to expect him to do as much, if not more, next season. So, and I think he's absolutely capable of that, regardless of of what he did in the tournament. I am going to buy, but it made me think about this one a little bit. I. You know what? After what we saw from Tubelis the last two games, which were horrendous, something's not something isn't right mentally with him right now. He just didn't look the part. I don't know if he was mad. I mean, some Tommy Lloyd got it in the in the tech in the TCU game, but he he gave him too long of a leash in the Houston game, in my opinion. Maybe. Um, I, I hope he goes to, I don't know if it's a sports psychologist. I hope whatever it is, I hope he is not troubled. And when he, when next season starts, assuming he's a wildcat, which I, I have no reason to think that he wouldn't be, um, he is he's cured, so to speak, and you know plays his normal game because he's an impactful player as a second or third or fourth option on a team. Yes. Uh, I, as you said, I don't think he's the main guy. Okay, uh, number four, Shane, uh, Ben Matherin and Justin Kyer will be Arizona's only notable losses this off season. Matherin and Kyer only as the Notable losses by yourself. I'd love to buy it. I'm going to sell just because there's always, I mean, well, first of all, obviously Christian Coloco could go, he could go pro. Do you think he will? I don't know. It's, it's crazy. This, we're having this discussion because going into the season, we're thinking Coloco is only starting because they don't have any other options. Right. But here we are. So I, 
I just don't have a good feel on it. I think it was worst case scenario for Arizona fans because you hope, okay, if he's going to ball out and prove it and improve his NBA draft stock, at least get to the final four. Right. Right. And yeah. that didn't happen, unfortunately. So uh, I, I think at this day and age, I, I think guys are more, more inclined to go than not. So I think he probably will, but I don't have a good feel on it. But even if he doesn't, you know, usually there's someone who leaves for whatever reason. Yeah. You know, I, I don't, and I'm going to ask Jeff about this, but I, I, and someone posted this on Twitter. I don't know. It, it just got in my head. It's probably nothing to it, but you never know. Maybe one of those guys is going to want to play for Sean Miller again at Xavier. I kind of doubt it because I think they did so well under Tommy Lloyd. I don't think right. they're going to want to leave, but you never know. There's always something weird. Um, you know, someone decides to to go play in the, in the, in the G league instead or, or play overseas instead. So you never know. So I, I would love for it to be that cut and dry, but but how often does that happen? So I'm I'm gonna sell. All right. I, I'm going to I'm gonna buy this, Shane. And I'm gonna tell you what, I just have a feeling Coloco is gonna test the NBA draft waters and he's not gonna get that guarantee between 20 and 30, which is what you probably need to go in the draft. So mm. I think he comes back. I think it it's a it's a ten it's a tenuous few weeks for Wildcat fans, but I do think he comes back. Uh Dalen Terry, I think, stays another year. And I don't think there are really any key losses. I think Arizona probably in the transfer market, and we'll talk about this in future weeks, we'll go out and try to get, uh, you know, another scorer, maybe another guy that like Kim Aiken, um, who, you know, maybe an impactful player off the bench. Yeah. You know, Pella Larson should probably start as the two guard, assuming the lineup comes back. In I think Pella Larson has potential to be all packed 12 by the time he's I done do at too. Arizona. I don't I know do if it's going to happen, but I think he's got that potential to be a guy who gets better every season. We saw flashes of it with the ASU game you went to in Tempe. He looked great. They, you know, he's in the game typically late with any defense. He can knock down clutch free throws, which you know, don't discount how important that is. I think he could be. I, I hope he's a four-year guy with Arizona because, or, or a three-year guy in this case, because I think he could he, he could be all, uh, all packed in. I, I think a, I think a starting lineup of. Well, we'll get to this in the next question. Okay, right. um, number five. Assuming there are no other significant player losses, obviously you disagree. I I do think there won't be. Um, it's not out of the question to expect another Pac-12 title and number one seed in 22-23 for Arizona by yourself. Uh, I will buy the Pac-12 title. I will sell the one seed just because they're so difficult to get. And without Ben Matherin, um, I don't know how easily replaceable he is. I think Arizona, look, the season Arizona had under Tommy Lloyd in his first year was massive to set the tone going forward because – I think he's going to have people beating down his door to play, you know, as a, as a grad transfer. Sure. You know, yeah. I think that that's going to be, you know, it, he got a couple of decent guys this past year, you know, Kyer and Ballo came from over from Gonzaga and Pella Larson. And that was without him having any head coaching experience. Well, now not only does he have it, but he just ran rough shot over the pack 12. Okay. And despite the, 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 you know, the early, early ish exit in the NCAA tournament, they still had a great year. So I, I think that they're not going to have uh, trouble uh, reloading, but I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. I am going to say, yes, I think Arizona can win the Pac-12 and be a number yeah. one seed again. I mean, I, th- I think the Wildcats, assuming there are no other significant losses, and that includes Terry and Coloco, and assuming Tommy Lloyd picks up, you know, a Justin Kyer type and maybe someone else for the bench, Arizona's a top five team going into next year. I can't name, just from what I've seen in the tournament, I can't find five teams I would rather have than Arizona's roster next year. Losing Matherin's a lot, but I think Terry is going to be really good. I think Terry's going to be all Pac-12. Mm-hmm. I think um, Coloco will be all Pac-12. And I think Pella Larson could be potentially all Pac-12 as well. And you add a scorer off the bench, maybe a really good shooter and another veteran point guard. There's no reason Arizona can't pretty much repeat. I mean, they had a Listen, they lost three games uh, in the regular season, which was just unbelievable, way beyond our, our expectations. I mean, if even if they lost five games, I don't I don't see any reason why Arizona couldn't be, you know, right in the mix for a number one seed again. That's just my opinion. Gonzaga, you would think, is going to take a step back, losing their two best players. Uh, yeah, UCLA, they, typically, who, they typically reload, though, so we'll see. Who knows what UCLA's roster is going to look like? I know they have a five-star coming in, but for the most part, you know, it, the Pac-12, USC probably going to take a little bit of a step back. Oregon, who knows? I don't think anybody else in the conference ready to step up that good. We'll talk to Jeff about this, but... I don't know. I'm, I'm overly optimistic, but even despite what we saw from Arizona the last two games. Okay. So that's, that's one thing. All right. Before we go on and talk to our buddy, Jeff Dean, I want to talk about, uh, we had a, a pretty cool thing that uh, just sports reached out to Shane and I, and, uh, and allowed us to get some Arizona gear before the uh, sweet 16 game. And, um, 
you and I went on a shopping spree and you're showing off your Arizona hat, which actually I have right here as well. We got the same thing here. We, yeah. we did. And we didn't know that we were going to do this, Shane. But yeah, I mean, we're, we're both wearing our... We're, we're rocking the cactus logo if you're not watching. Dude. Yeah, I mean, I like it. These these are slick here. Right? They're these, fantastic. These cactus, yeah, these are awesome. So I also got a pair of uh, athletic shorts and I got a... a uh, let's see here. If you're watching, I got some athletic shorts here and and a and a long sleeve t-shirt that says bear down on the uh, on the sleeve. So outstanding. So yeah, really cool. Thanks to our friends at Just Sports for doing that. Uh, go online to shopjustsports.com or in store at any Just Sports and you can get a 10% off uh, 10% off of your order by using or on the website by using the code Wildcat Country. That's real simple. Wildcat Country. So for Ice Shaker you do you use Wildcat Country. For Just Sports, you use Wildcat Country. This time, I'd probably use all caps and make it much easier. For those who are in Tucson, you can shop at the A-City location at Main Gate Square. And we know where that is. That's right on your way uh, to, uh, the, obviously, on, on University Ave, right across from, uh, or right next to Fuku Sushi, I believe. So uh, check that out. Uh, but you can buy online, shopjustsports.com. Use the promo code Wildcat Country. And these are pretty cool. You might want to get some of the, one of these hats because they're pretty awesome. All right, coming up next, our buddy Jeff Dean going to join us here on Wildcat Country, powered by Backcourt Marketing. What's up, Wildcat Country? Chris Krakowski here. Bear Dow, let's go. I wanted to introduce you to the newest sponsor of the Wildcat Country podcast. That's the Ice Shaker. So check this out. Keep your drinks hot. Keep your drinks cold. We got you covered. Snag one today. Use coupon code WildcatCountry at IceShaker.com. Well, Shane, after what we saw last Thursday night, we needed the most optimistic voice that we know to come on and give us plenty of information about the Wildcats basketball team. And I'm sure we'll talk some football with them as well. The voice of the McHale Center and Arizona Stadium and previous host of this program long ago, Jeff Dean, joins us here in Wildcat Country. Jeff, always glad to have you. Um, I guess the first question, very simply, what the heck happened uh, against Houston? Well, a lot of things happened and a lot of things didn't happen against Houston, I think is really, you know, kind of the best way to sum it up. Uh, you know, Tommy said that, that Houston is a really tough team to play the first time out. Uh, he's right. You know, you, you don't get a chance to play a team like that too often. And you know, people were saying that they're, you know, they're a lot like TCU and in certain ways they are. I mean, they focus on offensive rebounding and their defense is really good, but they're on a different level altogether from, from TCU. You know, I thought it was, you know, as soon as I, as soon as the bracket came out and I saw that Houston got a five seed, I said, Oh God, that's just, that's just a terrible. And, and in San Antonio. Yeah. I mean, it was just a terrible misjudgment of, of, you know, by the, by the committee to, to seed that team. I mean, they were the the, going into the the tournament on selection Sunday, they were number three in Ken Palm and number three in the net and they got the number 18 overall seed. I I don't really understand how that works, but uh, you know, nonetheless, it is what it is. And Arizona had a collision course with them and, it's not to say that Arizona couldn't have won that basketball game. I just feel like Arizona at times was overwhelmed by the moment. And, you know, it all comes back to, in my opinion, the number one reason why Arizona is home instead of continuing on right now. And that's experience and experience leads to a lot of different things in the tournament, but uh, experience was, was by far and away the most glaring deficiency of this team in the postseason. Cause in the regular season experience only matters a little bit in the postseason, it matters a lot. Yeah, that's one thing that, you know, and people are tired of me, you know, mentioning Casey Jacobson's checklist for getting to the final four. But the one piece of that criteria that was only one that was really missing for them was experience. One thing that surprised me, Jeff, and maybe I was being a bit naive about it. I didn't think, despite the lack of experience on this team, that they were going to uh, get a little nervous under the the, the bright lights. I really didn't think that was going to happen. And it kind of felt like it did for this team. I don't think they played their best in any of the three games in that tournament, even though they got to the sweet 16. What do you think about that? I think there are moments where they were playing at their best, but uh, you know, there was, there were certain players, I think that, that just weren't ready for the bright lights in the big moment. And when those players were rotated in a lot of times that would kind of break up their momentum. Um, And whether it was, you know, players that were coming off the bench or even starters, Uh, you know, not everybody, they just weren't playing in concert. Like we've, you know, became accustomed to seeing them through the, the first 32 games of the season, 33 games of the season. So, um, you know, that was a little disappointing, but, you know, it happens to 60, you know, 63 teams in the tournament it happens to, and then there's 
283 other teams in the country who wishes they were them. So, uh, you know, all in all, I still think that, that Arizona, I mean, obviously had a, a very successful season. There's no reason to be disappointed in the, in the season as a whole. I mean, you can be disappointed in how it ended, but to say that, that the season was a disappointment would be ridiculous to me. Yeah. Well, certainly at the beginning of the season, any of us would have taken uh, uh, that the kind of run that Arizona had. Kirk Kreese's ankle, how big a deal do you think that was in the tournament? I think it was a much bigger deal than people are, are giving it credit for, to be honest with you. Um, I know that, that they were working really, really hard just to get him to be able to put weight on it. Uh, you know, I mean, he was working mostly in a swimming pool. That was we saw, we saw that video. We saw it. that video that he posted on, you know, he's working on it with, uh, with uh, Justin Kukoski there. Yeah. yeah. And that was the only weight he was allowed to put on it for, for quite some time. You know, they pull the boot off him 24 hours before tip off of, uh, of the, uh, of the TCU game essentially and said, all right, let's, you know, let's see how it goes. And he was just going on pure adrenaline that night. And, you know, you don't feel that. And I guess the next day it was pretty sore. So they kind of had to go back to work on it in between. And I just, I just don't ever think he was ready to be the Kirk Creaser that we're used to seeing off that right ankle. Yeah. And I think he's gotten a lot of necessary flack on social media from people that really didn't understand the situation. So I, I, I'm glad you provided some context to that. Uh, when it comes to Zulus Tubelis, what the heck happened to him? It's like he disappeared in the NCAA tournament. Are you concerned going forward, or you just think this was a blip on the radar? I mean, there's, there's obviously some cause for concern. I think when a player just kind of checks out mentally for a couple of games in, in the biggest moments of, of their season, uh, I think it's cause for concern. I don't know why. It just seemed like he was mentally not not there. I mean, um, you know, people can say what they want about the matchups and the speed and the athleticism and stuff, but, uh, you know, dribbling a ball off his foot after he stole the ball to open the game against Houston and then dribbling the ball essentially off his foot and out of bounds, that had nothing to do with Houston's length, athleticism, size, physicality, nothing. He just dribbled the ball out of bounds. Um, so uh, there was there was certainly something mentally off with Zoo. And I mean, you can, you can, you know, pontificate all you want and think about, oh, maybe he's thinking about home in Eastern Europe or, you know, it could be a number of things. The fact of the matter is these are 18, 19, 20 year old kids. They're very emotional. Their emotions run high. They're roller coasters at times. And sometimes those emotions can get out of whack and they cause mental breakdowns. And those do not translate well to playing in a championship type of environment like you saw against Houston that night. And outside of him, I thought there were a few guys on the floor that just looked scared. Um, that just, uh, you know, Kyer was one that stood out to me when he got in there. He just looked kind of timid in the moment. Um, Balo, maybe another one that didn't have the um, enthusiasm and, and um, let's just say, on-court ego that I had seen during the regular season. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think it was, you know, I mean, let's start giving Houston some credit here as well. It wasn't like Arizona just rolled over for them, laid down on the floor and let them do what they want. I mean, Houston had to work for it. And I think you know, the things that Houston does well is they make other teams uncomfortable. I mean, they, you, they make you extremely uncomfortable. And there are certain players who can play within a pressure cooker like that and, and be comfortable being uncomfortable. Uh, and there are certain players who can't. Uh, you know, Umar Balo played his first season in college basketball. I mean, yes, he was on those Gonzaga teams, but he was never an option to come into a game unless they were up 30. And he played behind two All-Americans there. So, um, you know, he was he was completely lacking in experience, you know, in those types of moments. And, you know, Justin came from Georgia, which, as we know, just, you know, they fired their coach because he's been completely ineffective there for the last four years. You know, Cream was four or five years ineffective uh, at, at Georgia. So, um, I, you know, I tend to give a little more credit to what Houston was doing than to say that, that the Arizona players didn't perform. Um, I mean, certainly there were certain cases where they didn't perform, but I tend to lean a little more towards what Houston did as opposed to what Arizona didn't. I, I agree with that. I think it's a tough matchup and you got to give Houston some credit, uh, a lot of credit, actually. Uh, quick peek ahead of next season, Jeff. Uh, you know, a lot of guys probably returning. Ben Nick Matherin's probably gone. Justin Kyer's definitely gone. We'll see about Christian Coloco, but quite a few guys coming back. As of now, Arizona only has one commit for next season in Dylan Anderson. Uh, and I, I think one of the reasons for that is, when, uh, number one, we don't know how many, how many scholarships are going to be available in terms of guys coming back. And number two, I think Tommy Lloyd's being careful because we don't know what kind of sanctions this team might get as far as um, scholarship reductions, which that could come down any moment. So, you know, what ideally, what would you like to see Arizona add? Would you like to see them add a couple of uh, 
you know, a grad transfers will have some tournament experience or another uh, four or five star guy at a high school or a combination thereof? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that you, you definitely want to see some grad transfers come in, some guys who transfer from, you know, one program to another. I mean, you know, they have the, the waiver so they can transfer one time. So maybe you get a situation where a kid was looking at Arizona, maybe Sean Miller had offered him and then pulled the offer or for whatever reason, he decided he was going to go somewhere else because he was going to get starting minutes at, at, at another at another uh, school. And maybe someone like that starts to circle back around saying, I should have just stayed at Arizona. Now, you know, looking and seeing the type of program that Tommy runs, the type of offense and free flowing type of offense stuff, get a chance to play with Kirk Reese, who's one of the great assist players in the, in the country. Um, you know, I also, I also are going <clears> to, <throat> pardon me. I'm also going to caution, uh, you know, Arizona fans, you know, just every year this happens, some surprise player leaves the program. Every single year it happens. We get something, either a player declares for the draft or a player transfers, you know, just out of the blue. And we're kind of left scrambling like, well, how are we going to replace that person? I don't know who that person would be. You know, I think, I think Christian Coloco is going to get a lot of love from the media in regards to the NBA draft, but it'll be interesting to see what the scouts say, because remember Kofi Coburn was getting tons of love for the media for three years and then was given a draft grade last year around 48, which, you know, would, he, he wouldn't even, it would be difficult for him to make a roster at that, at that draft position. So that's why he came back. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what kind of a draft grade he gets from the scouts. I think Coloco is somewhere right now between a 25 and 30 rating in the, in, in the NBA draft. And if he feels like that's a good position for him, you know, he can go to one of those teams that's drafting late in the first round, uh, a team that will cultivate a big man, let him, you know, work his time through it. Then I think, He's earned the right to to make that jump. He has certainly made the jump from his sophomore to his junior. Who knows what that next jump could be, even taking you know NBA coaching level. So, um, while I you know, would love to see Christian Coloco back because I think he would he would definitely be in the uh, in the in the conversation for quite potentially a, a player of the year kind of situation next year with with how we've seen him grow. Um, I'm never going to begrudge a young man for uh, for jumping to the league and realizing his dream. Jeff, someone posted this on Twitter, I forget who, a couple of weeks ago, or about a week ago, and I dismissed it off the bat, but it's been kind of stuck in my head. So I'm just going to throw it out there. Sean Miller is at back at Xavier. A lot of the guys who play here at Arizona were Sean Miller guys originally. Do you think there's any chance that any of them follow Sean Miller out to Xavier or is Tommy Lloyd? I mean, they all love to seem to love to play for Tommy Lloyd, so I can't, I don't know if anyone could really imagine that, but is that a possibility in your mind? I would be shocked if Sean Miller pulled a Jay Johnson and started pulling players from this program. I, I mean, I really, I would be shocked. You know, Sean's got a lot more couth uh, and a lot more respect than that, to be honest with you. So I would be, I would be absolutely shocked if that happened. And if it did happen, uh, I would think it would be just, just a situation where a player just legitimately only wanted to play for Sean stayed here because it was too late in the process to transfer somewhere else. So, but yeah, I don't, I don't think Sean would do that. So, Jeff, going into next year as the roster stands now, assuming, let's say, Coloco comes back, where is Arizona in the preseason and what uh, ranked wise, ranking wise, and what are your expectations for how far they should go, uh, assuming this roster is fairly intact? Well, there's a lot of questions about what UCLA is going to bring back. I mean, if you look at projections from some of uh, some of the people at UCLA, they, you know, they believe that they're going to return a lot of those players again. Uh, next year, which is only going to be, you know, uh, you know, a huge boost for, for Mick Cronin. He's got a pretty good class coming in. Some, some LA kids are going to be coming in to, you know, to stay around the, in the, uh, the LA area, some freshmen coming in. So, you know, they've got a good class coming in. Um, USC is going to be, I, I think USC might be a little down, but I don't think it'll take them long in the transfer portal. Uh, and then Oregon, you never know. I mean, they, there's going to be a lot of transfer portal movement from, from Dana Altman in the, uh, in the Oregon program. So, I, I think you'll see the top four programs are going to continue to be the top four programs. I don't see a breakthrough program. Uh, you know, Arizona state hasn't done anything that's impressed me this, you know, with their recruiting, um, you know, uh, you know, teams like Stanford, they've had good classes and Jared Hass has squandered them. Uh, you know, Cal, Oregon state, you can forget about those teams, Utah, not exactly sure what Utah's got. Washington state could be a threat. They had a run in the NIT uh, but uh, other than that, I think, I think, you know, you're looking at Arizona. If you just subtract Ben Matherin, 
You yep. bring in a grad transfer and you bring in Dylan Anderson. I think Arizona is easily the, the number one or the number two pick in the, in the preseason Pac-12 next year. And I think they would be a top five nationally, you know, without, without knowing how the other teams shape up. But I don't see any reason why Wildcats shouldn't be up there and a legitimate Final Four contender to go to Houston in 2023. Yeah, I mean, you know, losing losing a, a, a potential, you know, Naismith player of the year. He's a Naismith semifinalist and Benedict Matherin. He was a second-team All-American, which is no slouch, uh, and a guy who really, you know, showed a lot during the during the tournament that turned a lot of people on even yep. more to Benedict Matherin. That's that's a big piece missing, and I don't, you know, I don't know the whole landscape of what what all the other teams look like. What uh, you know, what everybody else is bringing in. I don't know what Duke is doing or. Uh, you know, North Carolina, or even some of the teams that got knocked out earlier, you know, what Gonzaga's bringing back and stuff like that. Um, but, I mean, Arizona would certainly be ranked in the preseason. I don't know about top five, but certainly in the top 20, for sure. Yeah, but they seem at least ranked going into next season, for sure. Um, uh, a couple of football questions for you, Jeff, before we let you go. And by the way, if you happen to head up to Scottsdale for a giant spring training game and you recognize the booming PA voice, it, it is our guy, Jeff Dean, who's uh, living the dream out there during uh, for at least another week or two. Uh, so as far as football, you know, can't couldn't have had a better off season if you're Arizona. Uh, you know, added so many great uh, guys out of high school, uh, transfers as well. Maybe g- give us three or four guys, three three or four new players on this team that you're really excited to see next season. Oh man, uh, just to pull three off of the list is is difficult. I mean, I'm really excited about a lot of them. I mean, they, you know, there's certainly you can, you can do more, Jeff, if you want to do more. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, there's certainly a lot to be excited about. I'm, how about I how about I pull out uh, – uh, I'll just name three position groups that I'm really excited to watch. Sure, year. sure. Obviously, the quarterback position. Got Jaden Delora, the Pac-12 freshman, Offensive Player of the Year, transferring in here, which was a huge get. A, a massive get for Jed Fish. Bigger than any – maybe any of the recruits outside of T-Mac. That might have been the biggest get that he had all offseason. You've got Noah Fafita, who I've kind of compared him in, you know, some ways to Anu Solomon, and not skill-wise. I mean that he's one of the most likable people on the planet, and he gets players to play for him, not play with him. And you'll see, you know, much like we did with Anu, how players wanted to run through brick walls for him. I think we'll see the same things out of out of Noah Fafita. Um, another position group that I'm really excited to see is the wide receiver group, obviously. You've got T-Mac, the aforementioned there, freshman coming in. I mean, we're talking – I was having this conversation with, with somebody last night. I was actually at a wedding last night to, uh, and was talking with some season ticket holders. Arizona Wildcat football season ticket holders uh, were there, and we were talking about T-Mac. And, you know, I mean, this is, this is potentially a number one overall NFL draft pick that's on this Arizona roster right now, depending on how he develops through his time here in Tucson – he's got the chops to be a number one overall pick if the NFL continues to value wide receivers at that level. But then you've got so much depth at wide receiver and there's guys that we haven't even seen yet. I mean, Majon Wright, we, we didn't get a chance to see him last year. We saw him at the end of the, you know, his freshman season, but he's a guy with a lot of skill. You've got Simpson, you've got Singer. I mean, you've, there's just so much talent at wide receiver. I don't know how they're going to have enough footballs to spread around to those guys, to be honest with you. And then the other position I'm really interested in seeing is our secondary. I think the secondary has a chance to be really, really good this year. Um, I'm liking what I see out of Christian Roland Wallace, and I like what I'm hearing out of the rest of the guys that are making up that group. The safeties group is sounding like it's rounding out. And that's a, you know, that's a secondary group that kind of struggled last year. I think that a lot of them were playing so far out of their regular position that it took them so much time to – acclimate to what their new position was that they were starting the season oh and six you know six games in with only six games to play you know when when essentially they got on the field so i'm really really excited for the secondary i think it's going to be our top defensive unit on the on the field this year since you're talking positions uh biggest concern at a position group mine is still the offensive line what do you think yeah 100 offensive line um you know you lose couple of really good players on the offensive line. The top-rated freshman uh, recruit that you had that came in still isn't healthy enough to play, not healthy enough to practice yet. And, it, you know, like we all know, it just takes time for an offensive line to gel and chemically come together to be able to work as one unit because all five of those guys have to be working in concert with one another, especially in an offense like Jed Fish has. So uh, offensive line, I would absolutely agree. 
And also, you know, we, Jeff, we before I ask my last question, which, you know, I'm going to put you on the spot. I haven't done that yet. Uh, you can always hear Jeff uh, Monday through Friday on the Jeff Dean show, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. ESPN Tucson 1490. Check check him out there since he won't be in uh, McHale Center for a bit. And uh, Arizona Stadium has a few more months to go before football season starts. All right, Jeff, here is the uh, putting you on the spot question. Thank you, as always, for joining Shane and I. Which is more likely in 2022-23, Arizona to make a bowl game in football or to make an elite eight in basketball? Wow. Wow. Uh, I'm still going to reserve judgment on, on the football team just because, you know, I think going from, you know, from one and 11 to a six win team is going to be difficult, especially in the Pac-12. I mean, the Pac-12 sure. looks really, really good. I mean, there's, you know, half of these coaches are brand new. And, you know, we only get to play a couple of them next year. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. You know, the South is going to be, you know, obviously with Lincoln Riley coming in here, what's going to happen with USC. They got a ton of grad tra- They got a ton of transfers, you know, in the transfer portal. They're immediately better. Um, it's, it's still going to be tough to get those six wins, not to mention, look at our non-con schedule. We get to play at San Diego State, who's probably going to be a top, you know, 25 team preseason in their brand new stadium, which uh, I'm going to head over to, by the way, I can't wait to go to go watch that game. Nice. And then we got to play Mike Leach and the Mississippi state Bulldogs coming into town in Tucson. Top 25 team, probably close. Yes, absolutely. I mean, they had a great recruiting class two years ago. Um, and then North Dakota state, who was the juggernaut of the FCS coming in here, who's just begging to pick off, you know, a top, you know, a top team, you know, from a, from a top conference like Arizona. So it is going to be tough. I'll tell you this, though. The home schedule is fantastic. Great. Yes. If you, if you can't get on board with this, this home schedule that we got this year, then you're just not going to get on board at all. This is going to be a great year for, for, uh, for football at Arizona Stadium. You know, winning, going to Elite Eight is tough, too. I mean, it's been a while since Arizona's been there. I mean, Eric, I uh, Jeff, Jeff, let me help you out. Eric gave you an opening. He didn't specify men's or women's basketball. Oh, so, yeah. uh, that's fine. All right. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah good, point. Yeah. good point. Yep. Yeah. I think yep. I will take Arizona basketball to another game at that point. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think come on. Have the potential to be really, really good. Yes, they do. Really yeah. good. Yeah. But Shane, you just ruined my question. I really wanted to put Jeff. I should have specified. You're right. You yeah. got me there. But trying, no, to help, think, trying to help our guy out. That's I right. would say Elite Eight as well. I'm Shane, and I'm sure you and I will debate this too. I would love to see Arizona make a, a bowl game in football. But as Jeff just pointed out, I mean, that non-conference schedule, it's probably a lot more likely to go 0-3 than 2-1. and So, uh, and Arizona probably has to go 2-1 and to make a bowl game, you would think. I mean, I don't, I don't see them going 5-4 and in a Pac-12, but you never know. But it's going to be really exciting to have a real quarterback. Sorry to Jordan McLeod and Will Plummer and those guys. In Jaden Delora, that's going to be great. I can't wait for Arizona Stadium on Saturdays in the fall. Can it get here soon enough? I don't think so. Jeff, always great to talk to you. Thanks for joining Shane and I, and I'm sure we're going to have you on plenty of times between now and the fall. Sounds good. Don't forget April 9th, the Arizona spring game. It's going to be April 9th at noon at Arizona stadium. Teddy Bruschi, Rob Gronkowski going to be on, on hand and maybe a few other celebrities of, uh, of Arizona lore. I know Lance Briggs said he's going to be there. So we'll have a probably invite some, some few more guys down there, but come and get a first look at uh, Jaden Delora and all those new freshmen that came in. Uh, that's April 9th at noon at Arizona Stadium. Get your tickets now. I want to see at least 10,000 people there. Here with Dale Duncan, a very satisfied customer of Backcourt Marketing. Dale, can you tell us what Backcourt was able to do for your company? Well, they're taking me to the next level with helping me connect to new people for my business. They're helping me find new customers online. They meet with me monthly. They're listening to what I need, and they're really focused on helping me get there. Excellent. Well, Dale, we appreciate your time. If you know someone who needs social media help, refer them to Backcourt Marketing and get rewarded. Or if you need social media assistance yourself, make sure to check out BackcourtMarketing.com. Thanks, Jeff Dean, for joining us. As always, I think that's uh, we've had him on almost what, like ten times, something like that. Shane, we've done almost a hundred episodes of Wildcat getting close Country. to hundred. Should we do some sort of giveaway or something for a hundred episodes? Yeah, I think we we've got like five or six to go. I think before a hundred, something like yeah. that. So we'll do we'll come up with something and uh, we'll give away something as well. Maybe an ice shaker or something like that. So we'll uh, we'll come up with we'll come up with something cool. All right. So I forgot uh, in the first segment. And, oh, I'm seeing. I mean, this is this is you know. You were excited about the Just Sports. I was. Swag. Yeah. Uh, yes. So I always ask a bonus question by yourself. And this one, um, I'm kind of curious. You don't know what I'm going to ask. Nope. Uh, by yourself, you were rooting for UCLA 
after Arizona was eliminated? No, I sell it because I'm petty and I don't want other teams, rival teams to do well and mine doesn't do well. I'm fine with wow. UCLA making the final four if Arizona does, but if they didn't, then screw them. I don't want them to, to, to win anything. I, I'm childish, Eric. I admit it. I, I want them to lose. I was happy they lost to North Carolina. Okay. So I, I picked them after Arizona was out and Gonzaga was out. I thought UCLA was the best team left and would win the national championship. Mm-hmm. And so on Friday night, I was rooting for UCLA. Now, with that said, I'm kind of disappointed in myself because I saw how some of these UCLA people on social media reacted to things. And it now seems that there is a, a, size, a notable rivalry once again between the Bruins and the Wildcats, especially in basketball online what i know that you that's, uh that's fun no i engage in it yeah, yeah no it's yeah, fun i yeah. i like to, i like to, to to poke poke uh poke the bear a little bit uh oh that was an unintentional pun bear bruin kind of poke the bear sorry seriously i did not mean to do that but no the, the only i it's all in good fun as far as i'm concerned the only thing that bothered me was this one uh quote unquote journalist who uh you know was talking about how the ben mather and you know like allegedly you know touching the tcu cheerleader how it could not be ignored and it can't go away and it has to be mm-hmm. taken seriously yeah and then yeah. as soon as arizona is eliminated he doesn't talk about it anymore of course so, not like, you're yeah. disingenuous you know what yeah well so th- th- that's stupid and okay. and, and yeah. so i gave the guy a hard time and i'm probably keep doing it but uh no I, it's great that you know what i'm thrilled that this rivalry is is big again you know it, it's been a little while since those games, I mean, the two games, the three games they played against each other all had such a big game feel, you know, and the, the, the rubber match they had at the Pac-12 tournament was was fantastic. And Arizona got a big win even without uh, Kirk Carissa. So it, I, you know, I'll, I'll, I don't like doing a lot of trash talk or anything back and forth, you know, but especially because my team loses, I have to hear about it from, from everyone else. But, you know, it, it's fun. Let's have fun with it. All right. Bonus question number two. Uh, You wrote on Twitter something that I had been thinking and saying as well um, for the last couple of weeks that it almost would have been better had Arizona lost to UCLA in the Pac-12 tournament so that they might have had more of a chip on their shoulder going into the tournament. Do you still buy that statement or I buy it? I don't know if it would have made a difference, but I buy it. I know a lot of people disagree with me and that's fine. You know, but yeah, I feel like this is just the kind of team that if they had gone into the tournament, angry, a little angry, Okay. I think they would have beaten Wright State by 40 points, you know, and then TCU by 10 or 20. I don't know about after that. I mean, I think it, it you know, really can just came down to matchups more than anything. So I don't know if it would have made a difference, but I, I just kind of like the idea of teams getting humbled a little bit going into that tournament. So especially this kind of team. Okay. Uh, one more bonus question, because we talked about it last week. You know, I said that I wanted to see the, the biggest, the great matchups in, mm-hmm. in college basketball. So the big thing on Twitter today, and we're recording this on Sunday night, for those of you who, uh, you know, if you're, if you're paying attention to our schedule here, um, they, once St. Peter's was getting rocked by North Carolina, eventually you knew it was going to happen. People yeah. said, well, this is what happens when the Cinderella's, when the Cinderella's win. Do you still agree with your statement last week that the tournament is more fun when the upsets happen deeper in it? If that if that's fair to say, yeah, it's more fun. I mean, it's not. I don't want to. It's not an unfair tournament, but it it's a brutal. It's a brutal right. format. I mean, it really is. You have one bad game or one bad half, and and you're done. So, no, I I, I still like the, the the upsets. I mean, when they don't happen to my team, I I like the upsets. But yeah, but it, but it's tough. Um, yeah, it. I mean, like St. Peter's. We all knew they weren't going to win the national championship. Maybe they had one more win of them. They get to the final four. We've seen, you know, we haven't seen a team with that highest seed get to the final four, but we've seen other double digit seeds get to the final four, including UCLA, UCLA last year. Sure. So it can happen, but there's a big difference between getting there and winning the whole thing. You know, St. Peter's was never going to win the whole thing. Loyola Chicago was, was never going to win the whole thing. Uh, George Mason was never going to win the whole thing. So It'd be more fascinating to see those upsets later, like like Villanova beating Georgetown back in '85. That was probably the biggest upset in the history of the tournament yeah. because it was in the national championship game and it mattered that much. So I understand what you're saying, but I, I mean, when Arizona was still in it, I kind of enjoyed the upsets because if they if Arizona happened to get further in the tournament, those are fewer tough teams they'd have to play along the way. Yeah, well, look at Kansas; their bracket broke down, oh, so where gosh. they got Miami, and Miami even, was even, even if it hadn't broken down, it was an easy. 
Easy it was, road yeah. For them. If, if Arizona had gotten that region, they would have cruised to the final four. I'll just yeah, say that. I agree. Oh, okay. Uh, let's talk about a couple other sports here. Uh, baseball Wildcats went two and two this, or excuse me, one and three this past week. Lost to New Mexico on, uh, I think it was Wednesday. Lost two out of three to UCLA at home this weekend. Any reason for concern, or are you just yeah. stay the course with? Chip Hale squad. No, no. I mean, baseball, you know, it's, you lose two out of three. It's not that big a deal. They're still, uh, as of Sunday, not counting Sunday's game, they're still number five nationally in RPI. They were oh, yeah. as high as number two. So, no, they'll, they'll, they'll be fine. You know, you, if it's two out of three or even three out of four, it's not a big deal. Six out of seven, seven, uh, seven out of eight can become a big deal. Uh, so, I, I think they'll bounce back. UCLA's not a bad team. So, you know, and they've had some stinkers before, you know, that 19 to 1 loss to GCU. We're recording this before the rematch with GCU. Hopefully, it goes yep. better. GCU is legitimately good as well. They're the second best baseball team in the state. So, hmm. uh, I'm not concerned yet. If, if the, you know, if they keep losing, you know, they lose another three out of four, then maybe we can start, start talking about the possibility of them not being able to, uh, in, be in line to to host a uh, regional and super regional uh, when the time comes. But as of now, they're they're a long way to go, but they're still on track for that. Tuesday night at GCU, this weekend at Washington and Seattle. So it should be interesting. And then a midweek game next Tuesday at ASU, who apparently isn't very good. So nope. uh, that's that's a good thing. Hopefully Arizona, let's say, takes at least three out of five of those, if not if not four, would be nice. Um, all right, softball. Uh, Shane, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's bad. It's a mess. It's I mean, bad. this was probably the worst weekend Arizona has ever had, at least in, in our lifetimes. Uh, in a long time. You know, I mean, first, let me just say, first of all, I have seen some people talk about how Caitlin Lowe's not ready for the job or whatever. I think it's that's way too premature and way unfair. You know, it's her first season. She's got to get her kind of players in, you know, give her a couple of years. I think I think she'll do very well in that role. With that said, yes, it's been a disaster. And I'm surprised more not on the pitching side, but on the hitting side. They have a really good lineup of hitters and they keep getting shut out. They got shut out in back to get back games at home to ASU on. I can't imagine Mike Andrea was thrilled about losing back to back like that to ASU three in a row altogether uh, on Mike Andrea field now, because I know he, he can't stand those guys. So uh, it, it's rough. It, it, it doesn't look like it's going to get any better. And I think, look, even if the hitting was there, the pitching's just not this year. And nope. I think you need a top 10 pitcher nationally yep. to win at softball. You need just one. And the Arizona doesn't have one this season. It's as simple as that. But, you know, for those, those who are saying, you know, we need, you know, we need to go in a different direction. Cause you know how knee jerk people are these yep. days. Mm-hmm. Just calm down that they're I not going to be great this season. That's okay. Give Caitlin Lowe a couple of years. I think she's going to do just fine. The key right now is let's see Arizona rebound from this and mm-hmm. play better the rest of the season. If things continue to go in a tailspin, Listen, Caitlin's not. Caitlin's probably got three years at the minimum. Let her bring in some of her own recruits and see yeah. what she can do. I mean, she's playing with Mike Andrea's players at this point. Yeah. Let's see what she can do before we we pass full judgment. But it's the one sport right now. I mean, Arizona's had a pretty good run outside of football. You know, men's and women's basketball have been very successful. Uh, uh, baseball has been very successful the last few years. Uh, you know, this has been the one. And last year, you know, softball made the uh, made one went to Oklahoma City. Yeah. Let's take it easy here. Let's not call for Caitlin Lowe's head. I know it's no, it's no, a rough weekend. Most uh, fans and most fans are. I'm just saying a couple people. You know, there, there's there's some on uh, yeah. social media. That's not it's not yeah. pretty. I do want right. to mention real quick. Yeah. The uh, our, our men's tennis team was the biggest, biggest bright spot of, of this past week or one of them. Anyway, they uh, they almost shut out. Uh, ASU as six six to one. They're a top twenty five team. Would love to have Coach Shields on the show at some point because that that team they were great last season. They had a great run. Uh, they look like they're poised doing it again this season. So you know, let's dive in. We're, I'm excited, Eric, to dive more into those teams. You know, yep. we've been focusing you know, laser focused on basketball for the last several weeks, and for good reason. Season's over. We're you know we're, we're taking a week to kind of you know to mourn you know, the end of the season. Then we're going to get into bigger things or in other things, including uh, football, yep. baseball, softball, and all the sports down the line. And I'm excited to do that. Yeah, we'll talk more football next week. Uh, they're in the midst of spring practice. Uh, the spring game is on Saturday, April 9th. Go down there, as Jeff said, check it out. Should be an interesting list of uh, of Wildcats that are coming back to campus. And so uh, that will be a lot of fun to uh, to see once again. And plus, this team is going to be a lot more fun to watch than last year's and the year before and the year before and probably the year before that. Uh, I mean, honestly, this is going to be a fun team to watch and pay attention to. I mean, every week in football this year is going to be, should be on paper. Fascinating. So I'm really, really excited. September, as I told Jeff uh, and, and you, Shane, that can't come soon enough. 
uh, at this point. Um, I'm, I'm really stoked. Eric, if someone came into and offered you a four win season and one of those wins came against ASU, would you take it? Yes. Uh, reluctantly, I would. I yes. think I would too. I, at this point, if the team, you know, I want that win over ASU. I mean, that's important. Um, right. But yeah, I want to see who the four wins are against. I mean, Colorado should be terrible, should yeah. beat them. But like, you got to beat somebody good. You can't have like Cal's missing half their team and, and getting a win there. So yes, I want to see who your four wins are against. That's fine. But there's there's no not, there's no easy non conference game as as Jeff said. So yeah, okay, I'll take I'll take four and eight this year. I, I will I will predict they will get one big upset this year. Like the one game in which they are a double digit underdog, they will win. I don't know against who. But you know, even in the years where Arizona was bad in the past, they would always, almost always get one big upset. They almost right. did last year against Utah, which is crazy. Well, I mean, but, they, they hung in there, yes. Well, I mean, they, they was, it was close. They, they were very competitive throughout the game. So I, I think this year they'll be good enough to, to score one major upset, and that'll get us get all the fan base excited again. So, And remember, 2023, that's going to be a tough, tough uh, schedule with, with – uh, six away games this year we have seven home games and and five uh, road games next year you're at Mississippi State at ASU at USC that's tricky but they do play NAU and UTEP in 2023 payback. so paybacks coming to lumberjacks yeah you we're know gonna, we're gonna beat them by at least three points that <laughs> that game will be a lot more interesting than it was when they scheduled it that's for sure mm-hmm. all right Shane uh, before we get going here we'll make our final four picks just want to thank our, our main sponsor backcourt marketing there they've been very us we very much appreciate them check them out backcourtmarketing.com uh and and on twitter at backcourt mktg and if you know if you can think of any small business owner that you know that needs some help on social media backcourt marketing can help them out check them out backcourtmarketing.com all right shane it's time for our final pick all right start on uh on the arizona side of the bracket uh, villanova now more who, who tore his Achilles in the final 30 seconds of the game last night. That was brutal. Um, is playing Kansas, who had a dream road to the final four. Who you got in this matchup? Uh, since I'm I picked Villanova to win the whole thing, I will reluctantly take them, even though I know that they're mm. going to be be shorthanded. Uh, I think that their style of play and their experience uh, is, is enough to squeeze out a win over 40 minutes again. It's going to be tough. I, and I don't, I think Kansas is the worst of all the one seeds. I oh, don't yeah. think Kansas is, is and of course they're the one that, that got there. They're the, of course they're the one that that made it. To of the course, final of four. course they did. Yeah. I think if Arizona fit were to face Kansas, Arizona would whoop them. Uh, yeah. But I'll, I, my pick to go in was Nova. Uh, I'll, you know, they still have their their leading scorer, their third leading scorer, who were both on the national championship team a few years ago. So I, I think they'll they'll rally around those guys and they'll find a way to win. No depth. Uh, me Kansas to win that game. Sorry, Villanova, you have no one coming off the bench. It's they are super thin, very good team. Uh, but Jay Wright's up against it here. I think Bill Self lucks his way into another national championship game. And on the other side, probably the most um, anticipated Final Four matchup of all time. Is that fair to say, Duke and North Carolina? Well, at least rivalry. The media, and the media will be for sure. Well, I mean, yeah. it, it's it's the biggest rivalry in college basketball. Um, yeah. North, North Carolina just won uh, the last game of the regular season. Uh, at at Cameron Indoor Stadium. Um, I mean, this is the hype. It, the the only two games I can remember that really stand out to me as far as being on this level of of craziness are 2006 Ohio State Michigan football, and both were undefeated. And I think it was oh it was oh four in the ALCS when the uh, Red Sox were down three zero and got mm. into three three against the Yankees. Yeah, those to me were the two most anticipated rivalry matchups in the post or you know that that meant something um the and i would say this duke north carolina is right up there who you got boy and and i see it on the the right side of the bracket i i got villanova and kansas right so that's why i'm sticking with them i didn't get duke or north carolina right me neither uh Probably Duke, unfortunately. I mean, I, I love the idea of, of Coach K losing North Carolina in his final game at at, uh, at home, but uh, Duke probably gets a little payback. I, I think it's I think it's going to be a classic. I really do. Um, but I, I'm going to go with the Blue Devils, unfortunately. There's no way, Shane, that Duke loses this game to North Carolina. No, none, like zero. Uh, you can take that to the bank. I, I would be stunned if Coach K lost to to North Carolina his last two times out. I I think Duke wins this game by. Uh, I think the line is four. I think uh, Duke wins this game by closer to 10. Uh, okay. Nothing against North Carolina, just, just a hunch play there. And then the finals, uh, Duke Villanova for you. 
Like Nova to start, I'll, I'll stick with Nova. I, I, I picked them. I picked them. The, I picked them to beat Gonzaga originally in the championship game. Uh, I, I kind of like the the idea of of Duke's emotion, maybe getting a little to getting the best of them against a very experienced team again without without one of their top guys. But again, I'm being a little stubborn because I picked Nova to, uh, at the start, but I'm going to stick with them. I'm going uh, Duke over Kansas. It's going to pain us to watch it. Uh, that that final, um, you know, will be. Just brutal. If it's Duke uh, in Kansas, Duke wins. Yeah, I think so too. And I think Duke sends Coach K out, right? He's one of the greatest coaches of all time, would be a, a heck of a story. And you know what, Shane, at least we don't have to watch St. Peter's in the final four. That's all I can say. Because yeah. you know they're going to get killed at some point. And by the way, Purdue, you got to add them to the all time uh, choke list under Matt Painter. Every year they just fall apart. It's just unbelievable. Uh, all right. Well, I want to thank our buddy Jeff Dean for, for joining us. Uh, always great to talk to him. Thank our sponsors, uh, Backcourt Marketing, Ice Shaker, and this week, Just Sports with his, uh, if you're watching the uh, the show on YouTube, you can see uh, these great uh, uh, hats that Shane and I are wearing, plus the shirt and shorts. And I don't know what else you bought, Shane, but we really want to thank them. Check them out. ShopJustSports.com. Use promo code WildcatCountry for 10% off. So for Shane Dale, I am Eric Cohen. As always, bear down. <laughs>